Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, how are we? Welcome back to Hardcore Listing with Chris and Stu. This week's guest... Stu lined up. He already knew him. I think um, they had DJed for Stu at some of his other club nights. I wasn't aware of that, so when Stu said he'd sorted it out, I was over the moon. Um, It's Mark Morris from The Blue Tones, uh, a band that in the 90s um, really formed part of my musical development. uh, And... So it was really tough to keep it locked down and not sort of like be too much of a fanboy when we met Mark the other day. Uh, it was a Sunday. We went to visit him, a beautiful Sunday, and we had what was one of my favourite chats. Um, not because, uh, or what should I say, not just because of the subject material and what uh, Mark picked as his top five, uh, but also because Mark, you know, turned out to be as nice a chap as, you know, I'd hoped. Um, I've later found out that he even plays, like, words with friends with some of uh, some other people that I know, and, and you know, they hold him on high opinion as well, and I'm sure you guys will too. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Blue Tones, of course, um, over the course of uh, these two parts. Um, so there's lots of music in there. Um, but the other great thing is Mark's top five choice, which you're going to find out. Well, you've probably read the title of the bloody podcast, to be honest with you, is it's top five graphic novels, which is absolutely amazing. You can imagine how excited I was about that. Stuart, not so much, in the sense that he was worried he wouldn't have a lot to contribute to it. But in actual fact, the boy did good. The boy did good. Um Thank you all for uh, downloading and subscribing. Yeah, we're growing all the time. The live show is nearly sold out. Uh, something we thought we, we we wouldn't do in that size venue. Um, so that's wicked. There's still a few tickets left, uh, 10th of August. But we, we really are talking not many now. Um, you know, Once we've got uh, guests in, 
then yeah, that that's going to be full. So we're really looking forward to that, and we have started planning that. You'll be glad to know it all sounds quite fun and probably not like a, the usual sort of podcast live shows you come to expect. You might all be glad to know now that I'm sober um, after last week's drunk cast, which if you haven't seen that, go to dis- the Distraction Pieces podcast um, hosted by um, our guy, Scroobius Pip. Also, um, you can see some of the madness that happens uh, on the Instagram pages. Check out the the sort of like Insta videos of me from sober to uh, a bottle of, um, what was I drinking? Hendrix Gin in. I was absolutely shit-faced. Um, but it was quite fun, as usual. People are saying it's the best one we've done. So go and check that out. Um, Shout-outs to the rest of the Distraction Pieces Network. Shout-out to 76 for um, mastering this. Cheers, mate. Much appreciated. Um 76 is always releasing wicked beats as well um, for different um, hip-hop MCs to, to rhyme over. So go and check out 76's stuff. Um, links on his Instagram and we always link him on our um, on our posts as well. So go and do that. And um, well, thanks to Brad. He's not filmed uh, this one, but he, he's, he's filmed uh, some of the other ones, obviously, and that's all going along very nicely. And the last thing to say is just, you know, we've got um, lizards on the 22nd of this month. So it's going to be next Saturday. If this comes out this uh, the coming Monday, it'll be the following Saturday. Um, we've got John Kennedy there. Um, we've got Sam Redmore, obviously uh, Pip, um, but then, uh, and Stu, uh, myself, but also our two wicked resident DJs, DJ Destruction um, and Discotech Credits, who are, in my opinion, two of the best DJs in London, if not the best DJs in London. Um, so, yeah, come down to that. We've got, we're, we're doing a photo booth thing between, I think, eight and nine. So you can come get your picture taken with, um, you know, Pip, and if you want a picture of a dangerous loner or, or someone with a particularly large potato head, um, we'll be there too. Um, yeah, man, I think that's all. Enjoy part one of this two-parter with Mark Morris. Um, as I say, I think this is is one of the best, regardless of uh, the subject matter and whatnot. It's just a really uh, bloody good conversation. Catch you soon, boy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Yes, we are recording. You all right? Yeah, man. You good? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, it's a glorious sunny day and um, we've come from um, Grotty Essex. Sunny Greys. Uh, yeah, and we've, we've come over to um, we've come over the bridge and we're in Kent and it's um, drove past cricket green and yeah. uh it was it was very british and and nice wasn't we, it? we were tempted to join in yeah uh, but if we, we couldn't about cricket we had to come and uh do this podcast with today's guest yes so uh do you want to introduce mark yeah well you just did <laughs> uh, but yeah today's guest is um is mark morris you all right hello welcome mark. to tunbridge wells it's it's, it's lush mate and um thanks for inviting us into your your house that's all right you're welcome Much appreciated. is this the first one we've done at a guest house before first and last afterwards mark will be like never come back i think it is isn't it <laughs> i think right. so mate uh, um yeah. yeah so you're a little hungover yeah uh-huh. 
Right, as, as, as he's necking some whiskey. <laughs> a little hair of the dog. Hair yes. of the dog. Um, you were saying you played at a barbecue last night. Yes, yeah, and it kind of rolled on. I, I think I staggered home at about half three. Oh, it was walkable as well? Well, oh. to the hotel it was. Right. And I didn't fancy getting a taxi, and I thought I could do with some fresh air. Yeah. So I zigzagged my way. Zigzagged across. Yeah. That can go one or two ways, that fresh oh, air right there, can't it? That can either induce the... Kill, it or, it uh, generally kills me. Yeah. As soon as I get outside, I get some gulps of fresh air, and I'm and then my head's between my knees. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god! But you can get that taxi thing as well, where you just think, oh, stop the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop yeah. the car. Yeah. Motion. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, look. Um, Mark's chose a, a topic today that, um, well, you lost your fucking mind about it. Yeah, didn't I you? was because well happy. You you love that. Um, I know zero um, about it, so I'm I'm along for the ride. I've well, yeah, before I get into that, so we'll, we'll leave it to you then, Mark. Do you want to introduce what your top five is going to be today? It's a top five set of graphic novels which okay. have um, um, amused and entertained me over the years. And it's quite a big part of my reading these days, uh, graphic novels, rather than um, what you would call real books. Mm. <laughs> largely because my eyes are going. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I, my reading glasses are a bit too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> So you, so you like the pictures, basically. I like looking them. at all the nice pictures. <laughs> yes, but I don't really, I don't tend to read the superhero graphic novels. Yep. You know, your Batmans and your Supermans and your Daredevils and your Spidermans yeah. and that sort of thing. I don't really, I'm not really interested in that particular yeah. world. You know, I'm not got nothing against it, but it has never really sparked me. That said, the first one on my list is a superhero graphic novel, and it's probably the Daddy. Of all of them, yeah. I've gone for the, the Watchmen, or Watchmen. Yeah, okay. Man. Great choice. And that was one of the first that I was introduced to in my teens that really fired my imagination and made me realise there's a whole other world of fiction out there that's, you know, ready to be tapped into. So what what was you reading up until then? Well, I was at college at the time, so it, was, it would have been a lot of um, proper books, you know, yeah. stuff that mm-hmm. I'd have been sent and asked to read and I used to read in my spare time a lot of things like Martin Amos and yeah. like horror novels and all that yeah, stuff yeah. Uh, but no it was you know your Shakespeare and your um, Sir Philip Sidney poetry stuff and all that sort yeah. of nonsense yeah I say nonsense I really enjoyed it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What, Watchmen's kind of a it is a superhero one and yeah. like you say he's the daddy of them but there's a lot of a lot of time went into I think what, it was Alan Moore who wrote it and there's different plays on how they wanted to portray superheroes and how it all came about. So it is a little different, I think, to sort of like your Marvel and DC sort of universe. Well, I think it deconstructs the whole idea of superheroes yeah. and puts it in the real world yeah. and deals with the, is- the real issues that would come about if there were super people walking amongst us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it deals with people with special powers in that story as well as just your, your costumed fighters guys that just get and girls that just get dressed up and go out and clean up the streets yeah and the kind of psychology of the sort of people that would want to do that yeah and it views it in quite a detached and analytical way you know these people are clearly demented there's something not quite right upstairs yet they're hailed as heroes and yeah. what kind of responsibility goes with that but that's that's just scratching the surface of what that book is about because it's actually a much bigger story in itself. It's about the future of the, our planet and it's about um, world peace and what can unify mankind. And um, it's quite a big one to get your head around. I mean, they, they, when 
they did the movie adaptation, you know, they didn't quite pull it off. They kind of bottled that particular ending because it's mm. almost because it's unfilmable. Yeah, really, and that's the one wonderful thing about graphic novels. They are a great extra medium because they're not books where it's all left to your imagination. And they're not movies where nothing's left to your imagination. They're kind of that space in between. And they can tell stories in a way that you can't do on the printed page and that you can't do in movies. You can yep. turn a page and there's an image which hits you Except in an instant. Yeah, And it's like, oh my God, the story's yeah. completely changed. And you, you get that with jump cuts in movies, but it doesn't have the same impact. No. As having that image on the page, definitely, yeah. and not all not all um, sort of comics can really have, have made that. Well, most of them haven't been that successful making that transition. Because I think the story and how you can portray something in a in a in a comic or in a, uh, a drawing sometimes just doesn't look just doesn't sit well very well in reality. Um, I didn't think they completely uh, nosed up the Watchmen as a movie, um, but it had been so long since I'd read it that I kind of, when I knew it was coming out, I decided not to refresh my memory because I think if I'd have then refreshed it and then watched the film, I'd have been like, oh, God, yeah. You'd have come too loaded with exactly. your, your, your interpretation yeah, of the book totally. rather than letting someone else's interpretation hit you. Definitely. And, but again, I mean, like you're saying, that you're not, you know, you've never been a massive one for things like Marvel and DC or, or like the people a lot of the time when you say, or comics or graphic novels, immediately that's their expectation. It is like it's someone running around in a leotard and it's and it's all based on archetypes that aren't real people, so people can't really engage in it. But like you say, Watchmen isn't like that. And it's... I just love the the level of thought that goes into it and the sort of like social commentary that yeah, Watchmen like does. Story within stories yeah. within stories and then you get back history and it's set in an alternate reality um, it's set in, in America where Nixon didn't get impeached and he's still in power. It's like so it's the early eighties and Nixon's still in power. And you know, so so there's lots of political stories going on and the Cold War's been really ramped mm. up and which is what we're talking about, this kind of um this sense of like there's an impending annihilation yep. and what can be done to thwart that. Yeah. It is, it's good. Like the twists, if people haven't seen it. But the twists at the end and who is the villain, and the the ideologies behind that are very much like yeah, it's, it's kind of quite a it's, it's a it's a clever thought, and part of without giving much of it away, you know, there's a lot of plot plot reveals that villains do, um, where they sort of if you can you remember like the old Batman like the TV show with Adam West, and like mm-hmm. the Joker would tie him to something and then go ha ha, and then he'd reveal the plot of what he's going to do, yeah, and then that gives them always the time to sort of like quash them. But like in this, there's things where the villain will say, well, this is what I plan to do. And like, well, okay, well, we'll stop now. It's like, no, I've done it. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm telling you now, but it's all happened. It's all in motion. The, 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 yeah, so it's, it's clever. It's really I've good. I've not right. seen it. My, my only kind of, as I've said to you before, and I, I, I don't read graphic novels, I, I, I did get given one ahead of this. Like, um, we, we set this podcast up for the back of appearing on Scribius Pitt's podcast. And he had Alan Moore on his podcast. And... Uh, he was an interesting dude, wasn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. He he rattled off some spoken word off the cuff, didn't he? That, that was he, amazing. That he'd written like 15 years ago. Yeah, and he's it got was, a hell of a mind on him, that guy. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Right. And that was, he was a real fascinating dude. He was. Yeah. I saw him do a talk a couple of years ago at um, uh, Gosh Comics in London where he, he, he showed about 20 minutes of this film he was making and then did a talk and um, did a Q&A. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Fascinating guy. And he's, 
he's like a quint something about him is sort of quintessentially English and eccentric as well. I mean, he lives in Northampton. He's not moving. He loves it there. It's where he's written everything he's ever written. Mm. He's a filmmaker. He's a poet. He's a painter. He's a musician. He's quite an interesting. Yeah. Cat. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he uses a mobile. I think he's got a landline. That's I think right. That's, that's how right. Pip, how Pip contacts him. It went for his daughter. His daughter was a Pip fan. Yeah. And and she was sort of saying like blah blah blah. Oh yeah, my dad's Alan Moore. I think yeah. he was like do what? <laughs> and I think it sort of come about by that. Yeah, yeah. It was all done landlines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah leave a message on his answer phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might yeah. get back might to get you. Back to you. Oh, by right. a smoke signal. Yeah. Um, but I, I even remember reading a sixty-second slot he did in a, in the shortlist, and. Uh, he was talking about the, just the power of words and how something like the idea before anything comes into existence that mankind's ever created, it, it, it appears from nothing from the brain. You know, the idea of a table exists before actually a man goes out and makes it. And he loves the idea of something coming from nothing. You know, the idea of a, you know, a concept in a human mind becomes a creation in reality. So yeah. it's things appearing out of, uh, out of thin air, I think he's he's just a he's a super smart dude. He's, yeah. he's got because he's had quite a lot of um, a lot of trouble with DC and that whole and the whole Watchmen thing because of you know copyright and ownership. Took his name off it completely. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want their stinking money. Yeah, yeah. They're going to cut the fingers off my baby. That's really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they sort of done a bit of Viva a Vendetta. He did that with as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, as well as as well Watchmen. Yeah, he was like he, he felt they've been very. But how they'd written a contract was, well, after a year, if we haven't used the name, then the ownership and rights go back to you. But it's like, well, you've just swindled me because you publish it every year. You still republish it. So like, I think they were doing a 20th or 17th anniversary. And he's like, yeah, I don't really want to come on, on board with that because that's just 17 years. But they did 12, they did 12 more comics, didn't they? That's right, yeah. That were yeah. quite coolly received and not very good. And had nothing to do with him. Yeah. I think Steve Gibbons... I think the artist still got involved, didn't did he? It, did he? I think so, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was. Did, did you like the artwork? You, yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved. I thought it was perfect for that yeah. story. Clean, crisp, detailed. Yeah. You know, really pleasing on the eye. Yeah. He, yeah, I loved it. He tried. He, he. I think he was saying about how he, what pen lines he was using. He was trying to make it stand out. So instead of having used different thicknesses of brush strokes, he had a very standard sort of like thickness. So when you're looking at it, it had that a very clear and obvious. Um, sort of impact on the reader mm-hmm. and they were doing and a, very a lot of bold things colour palette as well isn't it it's very yeah. bright and yeah and lots of primary colours yeah and he was doing it in like nine panels like every page is mm. like nine panels so it's, and, and Alan Moore said he found that quite an interesting way of telling the story as well because he sort of all, he always, always knew what those nine, it was roughly always going to be nine panels so you that, can pace it a certain way you can pace it yeah yeah yeah, you see, it's a banger. It, it would definitely be in my top five. I think it'd be in a lot of people's. To be I think fair. it would I be as well. I mean, it is sets a standard. It's a gateway graphic novel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you get yeah. your head around when you once you finish reading it, you do feel like, oh man, I've really ingested something there, and it stays with you. Yeah. And you tell everyone about it. You've got to read this comic. And was that your introduction? <laughs> yes, it was lent to me by a, a friend, and I had to buy him another one because of bad luck really it was when I was reading it that the pages started to come out the glue yeah. started to oh no it was like it's just bad it's just because I, I didn't you know I've been looking after it <laughs> yeah. so that's buy me another one it's <laughs> like sure sure yeah exactly <laughs> I didn't fuck it up yeah, exactly. what was your introduction to comics mate was we talking like Beano Dandy type stuff oh, right yeah I, I'm not that's I not this I always get dug out about my age on this podcast right because I'm obviously a lot older than him <laughs> um, yeah it was it was yeah. Beano Dandy Topper Nutty. Nutty, yeah. Banana Man. That's when Banana Man appeared first in Nutty. Then he went over to Dandy when Nutty folded. Really? Yes. 
Right. I'll tell you what she's talking to... about Banana Man this morning. I was yeah. going, What's your, who's your favourite superhero, Stu? And then you banana said Man. Banana Man. And I went, to be fair, Banana Man's a solid choice, yeah. to be yeah. honest with you. Right. It, was, um, it was all voiced by the goodies as well, wasn't it, the cartoon? Oh, fuck, yeah. Of course it was. It was. I love that. Graham Gardner and Tim Brooke Taylor. It was really cool. I had a good little intro, Banana Man. I remember oh, a really early memory of being on holiday. And can you, I don't know if you... But did you used to read the Beano and the Dandy mm-hmm. and stuff? Can you remember that the Beano that used to do, like... They were like almost square, and and they were like oh the holiday specials yeah the holiday there's extra thick comics yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, they had a name from I can't remember what they were oh man they, I remember just being on holiday once and there was like a little shop like a bumper edition a bumper yeah. edition yeah, and like and uh, and there was these tiny little like squares and it was like of these super thick kind of I was like right I remember just this tiny little shop in this holiday camp we were standing at I had like if we're gonna get them. nostalgic do you remember those little comics Commando the little army yeah, stories yeah yeah yeah. No. They were kind of about this big, like little pamphlet sized single adventure we comics. Had, uh, we World, had an artist World War Two. That's cool. We had an artist on called Riker um, a couple of weeks back, didn't we? Yeah. And, and he, he makes toys and stuff. And, uh, and he, he, one of his, he'd done his top five toys growing up. Yeah, his toys. Action he was, figures. He was cracking, and, wasn't uh, it? And he went one. for the G.I. Joe choice. Action Force figures. And, um, and I, remember, I said to him, I remember like vividly when they tried to launch Action Force over here, they gave one away free with like a copy of the Eagle. And I was just like getting on my bike and just rinsing every single news agent, just trying to buy as many of these things to get a figure for like 30p or whatever the comment was. <laughs> like. They're probably all still burying people, random people's back gardens and that happened Definitely. a lot with the old action figures. But the He-Man did that. He-Man used to release with the toys. They used to release a little comic with each one. Right. Which is a clever little marketing thing, and, and that, that was a yeah, that was a that was a sort of gateway for me. I think was How reading old you, those Mark? little things. Forty-five, right? So yeah, you're you're a year yeah. um, older than me. So yeah, he man kind of we missed the boat on that a little it's bit, didn't just, we? Yeah, just a little bit too old for that at the yeah. time. Yeah, Riker was kind of more your generation. Yeah, we so were like, lots of no toys that I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So and then emitting the planes. Yeah, it was. And space. Remember space sentinels. No one remembers Space, space Sentinels. Space Sentinels. It was that. It was a spaceship with a giant uh, holographic head that was their boss that used to give them the instructions, and it was Hercules, Mercury, and um, I can't remember the name of the female character, but they all had different powers. Hercules is very strong. Comic or a cartoon? Cartoon. Hercules space was like really strong. Sentinels. Mercury was really fast, and the lady character I cannot remember her name could transform into different animals. And they had Mo. Oh, they had the little robot that. Mo, the maintenance operator, used to fix the spaceship. Yeah, that's ringing bells now. Yeah, yeah. That's new on me, man. I cannot think of that. Yeah, I used to really enjoy that. Free. No one yeah, remembers it. Yeah, but you know, I still find I'm going to have to dig that one out. <laughs> so have you never? Did you draw? Have you had a go? No, at I'm not very good at drawing. No, my my brother is brilliant. Right. So how come? Is he in the comic books? Sorry. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, have, have the band never kind of toy with the idea of sort of animated videos or sleeves and, and, and well, things like that? Well, we did do a couple of animated videos. In fact, okay. um, the video for the four-day weekend single was done by uh, one of the chaps at, excuse me, uh, one of the artists who worked on Akira. I can't oh, remember. Right. I can't, his name escapes me. Scott would know him. It's one of Bloody Scott's favourite artists. But he did it um, uh, for a, like a reasonable fee back in 1997, 1998. Yeah. And, uh, but we never got, never really caught on for us. It's a great video and it's shot in that, well, it's in that beautiful style. I say shot, you know, created in that beautiful, yeah. oh, that's really poetic now, Mark. style. Yeah. 
I forgot about that. But we were just a bit ahead of our time. Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was. Well, that, that Akira, that manga, I mean, so when did I first watch that? I was probably about 16. And I think I had to watch that about four times before really Getting the it. Penny, penny was dropping. Because mm. that that's, that's a, a big fucking, story. That's a dense, dense subject mm-hmm. matter, that is. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty good. That, that nearly like, because I did go back and end up reading the comics of Akira. Um, but that was a long old one. That yeah. is that is that, that, is, was that m- is quite a tome. Mammoth, mammoth amounts of drawing involved in that. Yeah, for certain. So, so um, obviously we're sitting here in your in your front room, and obviously you you know you you've got a family and and and, and I'm not here. You know. I live here on, on my own. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in regards to reading. Like we, we, when people choose music, I always kind of try to drill down into it. Like for, for me, if I want to absorb music, I need to either be in a car on my own yeah. or headphones on, take a dog for a walk, something like that. Um, with comic books, is it something you could read on a tour bus? Like if there's other people about, yeah. can you, you can yeah. absorb it like that? And not oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. You take, I take them away with me when we go on tour. Yeah. For, for that reason, it's a good... Because you like, there's a lot of hanging around time on yeah. tour, so mm. you get a lot of reading done on tour. Oh, comic just, book reading anyway yeah <laughs> I just like literally I can I don't read too much anymore but um, you've learnt the alphabet now you've got that <laughs> down yeah, haven't you I've got that now well, I tend to use my, when you're on tour I tend to go out exploring as well because there's different comic shops in different yeah. towns you can get different books that aren't available everywhere or you can yeah. find something that's been out of print for ages that they've not been able to get rid of yeah, yeah. For, so I often do that when we're away and just pile them up under my pillow and, and record shops <laughs> And yeah, exactly. Record shops, yeah. yeah it's like crate stuff. digging, but for yeah, comics and comics. records and clothes. Yeah, you go yeah. to all the sort of all the sort of boutiquey second-hand places yeah. in different towns, and you get you get some real bargains. Yeah. You got, uh, what's your fight? What's your most treasured comic or graphic novel? Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, it's probably uh, I've got a couple of uh, first prints of Eight Ball, some Daniel Close right, okay. comics, nice. um, and it's probably one of those or. Um, the Death Ray, his book. I've got an original of that. I found that in Texas, actually. No way. Uh, I haven't read that. I haven't read Death Ray. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, all his books are great. All of his books are great, I've and they're s- filled with this dark humour, a kind of um, sort of quite a, quite a misanthropic take on everything. And he's, uh, but they're always uplifting, and he's loving them. And and hope, yeah. But there's they're quite kind. Of, they can be quite bleak. Yeah, that's strangely one of my favourite comics. Is one called? He's actually um, from Japan as well, called Berserk, and that's been going forever. He still hasn't finished. It's been running for about twenty years. It's the darkest. It's it's so dark. What happens in this? But to me, there's a thread of hope in it that I'm still. In my mind, I still think that the the main character in that it's all going to work. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But if I explained what he's been through so far, you'd be like, "No, nah, mate, he's a he's a he's a lost cause." It's really. <laughs> I, I love those themes of hope, and uh, and and uh, being based in quite dark things. I mean, that's quite a nice nice link uh, into your graphic novel, anyway. That was um, like a like a velvet glove yeah. cast in iron. Yeah, See, I yeah, could have picked any one of Daniel Close's right. books because they they all. They've they've all touched me. They're they're very sort of hu- again. It's completely different from the Watchmen. This is um, these are like real stories about real people and real lives, and uh, they talk about identity and love, and 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 some of them are a bit darker. There's one book that deals with uh, a kind of like a child killer and the hunt for a 
this murderer of children that's in this town. And so there's no... I'm really naive when it comes to yeah. comic books and graphic novels. There's no superheroes as such. No superheroes There's as such. Even in the Death Ray, that's the closest he's come to writing a superhero novel, but right. it's not really a superhero novel. It's more, you know, allegorical than... It could all be happening just in this kid's head. Right. Or it could be really happening. Because oh, okay. that's, that's a story about a kid who reached a certain age when he gets to puberty, and he tries a cigarette for the first time, and he realises it gives him this power to wish people dead. And so, right. and it comes, you know, and the consequences of that. But it could just be all in this kid's mind. Or he could just be killing people willy-nilly that piss him off. <laughs> so have you, have you got, like, a little kind of um, geeky click where you all swap comics and stuff? Yeah, well, sort of. It's my, me, mostly myself and my brother and yeah. our friend Gareth are a kind of triumvirate. We, but we don't live that close. We just now recommend stuff to each other yeah. rather than hand over the goods. You've got, you've got like, a an income source that you can you don't have to swap comics you, yeah, exactly. you, you can shell out tw- for 15 quid on your own graphic novel i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now. <laughs> so the, let's just again, graphic novel, I'll take it. That's one whole story in one book. It's, it can, well, it can be, be a just series. a collection. Right. Yeah, it can okay. be a collection of um, comics. Whereas yeah. a comic book is... Normally like the monthly edition. Right, so is that an ongoing story? Yes. Or yeah, yeah. Independent? yeah. Well, the right. thing is they make monthly editions and then when, this, when that arc finishes, they collect them together and put it into a graphic novel. So it's... Right. But they just take out now. the episodic yeah. nature of it and make it one flowing story. Yeah. Right, okay, that's, that's, that's clear. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening as well that maybe didn't know that either. No. We were t- we were terrible. Like when I st- when I got into comics and I started collecting, me and a few of my friends, we Pip's a big comic book fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we we'd nick them, mm. and I, I I feel so bad now. I look back, I've got like story arcs of comics that I didn't pay for, and when I was an adult and I had money, I'd go back in that store and just spend like hundreds because I felt so bad about when I was a kid. I'd go in there and make his Saturday. I'd be like, I want this, 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 this. And he's like, well, this guy loves us. And I'm like, no, mate, it's because I was, <laughs> it's a, I was an absolute payback. shit. It's karma, it's karma. <laughs> he was probably the reason his first three shops went under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he did reopen it a few times, to be fair. 
Um, yes, yeah, so like a velvet, velvet glove. So what's um, what's that roughly about? Because I had to look about. Well, that's a that. good question. It's very difficult to explain yeah. that one. It's kind of um, it's a it's a nightmarish story. A man uh, looking for love. It's quite David Lynchian in its look and in its tone. Um, but it's just a nightmare about a guy who finds himself in this seedy world with weird, uh, demented characters pursuing him for different reasons. Uh, tempted by love and lust and sex and the prices that he has to pay for that, really. I mean, it's, it's more of a, that's more of a sort of tone poem piece mm. than a story. Yeah. But it's, it, and it's, it's really is kind of like throwing, in, uh, throwing you in at the deep end a little bit with that book. There are, there are more accessible books that he's done. For example, Ghost World is probably his most famous. Right. And that was yeah, successfully that. adapted into a movie. Right, yeah. That's a great movie as well. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. They did a really good job. But he was, you know, he was very closely involved in the yeah. production of that. And Terry Zweigoff, the director, he's a big comic book fan and he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a safe pair of hands when it comes to that sort of thing, I think. And you mentioned Lynch. Yes. Have yeah. you, are you up to speed on on Twin Peaks, are you watching it? No, I haven't got, I haven't got Scott Lanchek. Yeah, likewise. So I was, I was hoping to kind of get someone's, someone's opinion on it because, like, literally, I, I know one person yet. that's seen yeah. it and, and is literally telling me it's, it's a bit special. But I've, yeah, I've heard nothing yeah. but glowing and a few reports. Yeah, some's probably going to wait to the box set and save yeah. yourself yeah, doing, yeah. Do, do it in a couple likewise, of nights. Likewise, likewise, I've just, I've just. I struggle with kind of fantasy and stuff like it's your big thing, and it you, yeah, you I love like anything it. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I like but, a bit um, of science fiction, all that. Mm-hmm. I've, my, my wife loves it, and and, and and she's all over it. And I just, I don't know if my brain's just not wired that well, way. Well, you you you've been very brave. You were telling me in the car, he's he's watching Game of Thrones at the moment. There you so go. You well, know. you started at the beginning, have you? Yeah, mm. I've just. Um, uh, did, have you watched it? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I'm sort of a couple of seasons behind. Right. But um, I'm halfway through season two. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I loved I, it. I really enjoy it. So. It got to the end of season one, and I was just thinking, it's kind of medieval, I'm liking this. And, <laughs> yeah. and then I was like, oh, hang on, there's a dragon. And like, that's, that's where my Spun brain you starts out. kind of going like, eh, it's yeah. not real. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> oh, my, dad, my dad's always been like that, you yeah. know, with me and comics and stuff like that. He's like, what are you fucking, why are you, why are you reading them? Yeah. It's like, it's just, I don't know, Dad. It's like, I've got some spare time with my brain. I don't always have to think about, you know, how to rewire the house. I can, like, you know, think of other more fantastical subjects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed you, like, as soon as you saw a dragon, you didn't go, oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of like, oh, come off of these bollocks. I'll tell you what, my, 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 my wife literally gave me the kind of Gary Lineker to Gascoigne kind of wink when that happens. If so, it'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> Gets back to being gritty. No, this is, it is gritty. Uh, that's for sure. <coughs> so, uh, we, we call, talk about music as well, Mark? Absolutely not. Right. Okay, so we're not allowed to talk about music. So, uh, I was really hoping... You're out your depth now. <laughs> <laughs> music yeah, on, what, what were you going to ask me? Um... Whatever you want to talk about, really. Like you know, t- today we didn't. Well, the, 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 the top five, the top five was always kind of loosely what we we base these on, I and mean, it generally just spirals, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, in uh, talking about all sorts. Well, I can of tell you that my second option I was going to go for for my top five. Yeah. That at the last minute, I changed my mind because I was like, no, no, I need to do too much research before I can yeah. talk about this. I was I was going to do the top five Malcolm McDowell films. 
Right. Wow. And I would nice. realise I hadn't seen a couple of them in a few years, so yeah. I was refreshed my memory yeah, yeah. with Oh Lucky Man. But that's like that's three hours long, and it's like, oh man, they're coming round on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to have any time to watch that's all these again. So I've got like uh, Royal Flash down here because I hadn't seen that in a few years. So I was like, oh, oh, I'll order that. I've never seen that. It's good. It's funny. It's based on the Flashman books. Who wrote them, Flashman? Oh. Um, Oh, uh, yeah, no, because he died not that long ago, a couple of years ago, the author. I can't remember his name, that I'm afraid. That was a big fan. Oh, what say on it? Yeah. What say, based on the books or by... Let's have a look. But, oh, based on the novel by George MacDonald George Fraser. MacDonald. There we go. So, whilst doing a bit of research today, um, I never realised that you do the music for Williams's audio books, is that correct? Yeah, 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 I've done all of those. So is that something else that you'd kind of want to get involved in? like kind of? Oh, anything like that, yeah, is always a good fun and a real thrill to do. Yeah. Um, because it's difficult to explain. When you're making records for yourself, you obviously have quite a strong emotional attachment to them and you spend a lot of time uh, looking at things really in great detail before you present them. But with something like that, it's not, you don't have the same emotional attachment to it and it's, it's more like just playing in a sandbox. And... Um, conjuring ideas and you know trying things out it's like making music without any kind of ego attached to it how'd that come about just through our friendship really yeah when he did his first book um uh, harper collins they have an in-house guy who does music for that sort of thing and he didn't want it to be like that he wanted something a bit more idiosyncratic i guess and so he asked me and it was like yes please that'd be yeah. great fun yeah. yeah so i've done all of them oh nice Another one coming soon, is there? No, he's just had one out in the last sort of two months, so there'll probably be another one at Christmas. I took the um, I took the kids up to London at Christmas. He'd done a um, at the O2 in the Indigo thing. He'd done um, like he, he read from the new book. Uh, really? Did he do all that? Really? I it didn't was, know um, about It that. was him, and it was the guy that illustrates yeah. the diary of a wimpy kid books had come over from the states, and they both done it together. And, and David was talking about how he writes and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, and the illustrator had a kind of overhead projector and was, was drawing the characters from like, the Wimpy Kid books and that. And it was, oh, it was cracking. Like, it blew the kids' minds, but yeah. I was kind of like open-mouthed. And I got home, <clears throat> bought a load of books on drawing cartoon characters. So it worked. And, uh, <laughs> it worked. It did, it did. And, uh, you secretly... I'd always drawing cartoons now. as a kid. I'd always yeah. done it. Like, I Just not like, dragons. Like, a no, really, really banal no. thing. No, I was more kind Scott of... Scott and I used to do that. We used to draw the most banal things. <laughs> we used to do these panels of um, football matches. <laughs> so in the first panel, it was like, oh, he shoots, he misses. Second panel, he shoots, he saves. Third panel, it's a goal. Turn the page. <laughs> you know. But obviously, Scott got very good at drawing and being the older brother, I probably felt a little bit threatened by that. Yeah. And put the kibosh on it. <laughs> picked up a guitar, don't you? No, not till much later. Well, how old you picked the guitar up? Probably about 14, 14 right. years old, hanging around the school music rooms. My best friend at school was the school drummer, and he was a bit of a prodigy. He was like a fantastic drummer from the age of about nine. Um, and so I used to hang around with him a lot, and he used to spend a lot of time in the music department, and I eventually just sort of got involved with things and learnt guitar. There was lots of stuff lying around like that that you could take home. It was, we were quite lucky to have... And was your brother already playing? No, he he wasn't, but we shared a bedroom, so naturally he'd pick up the guitar and I wasn't there. Yeah. And then when I joined my first band, I joined as bass player, uh, and Greg, my best mate, joined as drummer. 
and uh, they had an existing guitarist and a singer. Their rhythm section had just left to go to university or something. Yeah. And um, so we got there, and at the first rehearsal, it was like apparent that the guitarist was so bad that he couldn't. We couldn't leave it to him to be the guitarist. <laughs> and I was pretty basic. I was just learning myself. But it's like, well, I'm better than him. So I, so I said, why don't we have two guitarists and we just get another bass player? And um, <clears throat> so Scott came to a rehearsal uh, just to have a listen and stand in on the bass. And within about two rehearsals, he was like much better than me, <laughs> much better than the other guy. And it was like, okay, you can be in the band. And was you writing at that point? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, Scott and I had started writing songs together. Yeah. And, um, and that's how it kind of evolved into the Blue Tones, really, because the guitarist eventually left. So it was just Robin and Greg and Scott was and myself. Was he getting the message that he's getting muscled out because he wasn't I think enough. so, a little bit. Yeah, he wasn't, but he, was, it was, he, was, he had a very ham-fisted style and he wasn't getting any better. Right. And he'd been playing for a lot longer than me and he just wasn't naturally... Wasn't clicking. Wasn't, no. He had lots of enthusiasm, but no natural ability. We were all kids as well, you know. And um, that was a lot. A but lot we were writing songs, report, and Scott and, and Scott and I were writing songs that Robin couldn't sing. Robin wasn't a great singer; he was a great frontman, but not a great singer. And it got quite frustrating that we'd have to write songs and have to adapt them so that it would be one of the three notes that he could sing. <laughs> and then we got a bit hamstrung by that, and we kind of just broke away and made the blue tones. Cause I was like just going through some old videos and bits and pieces, and when I Wikipedia, you know, it gets a bit more information about some things than that. Like, well, I wrote that. Like, so ask, <laughs> ask me what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't realise, like, you were quite young when it all happened, weren't you? I guess so, yeah. When, uh, sort of early 20s. When Slight Return came out, I was 24. When that right. was at the top of the charts and all that. Yeah. So it was, yeah, quite giddy. Yeah. Like, that was, um, I used to, I, at the time I was, DJing a little, you know, I was still doing the, the, the toothbrush, but um, I'd set up a little night in South End. And I remember Are You Blue, Are You Blind was the first single on your was your yeah. like, was the Fierce Panda? No, no, the first, the Fierce Panda one was, uh, was Blue Tonic. Blue Tonic, that's it right. It was called Number 11 at the time. Right. Because it was, it had no title and it was the 11th song we'd written. Yeah. Are You Blue, Are You Blind was the one on Superior, one of the first Yeah, that's one. right. It came out before the album and didn't yeah. appear on the album. And uh, and I remember just like playing that, and and it got instant reaction. I just thought, how are people hearing this? Because it was, it did get a commercial release, didn't it? And uh, and it, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. It won't get in the kind of airplay that the likes no, no. of no, no, no. It was, it was like the evening session and things like yeah, that. In those yeah, days, yeah, people, yeah. before the internet and before there were websites you could go and visit and get your fix, it was people used to tune into the specialist yeah. shows, didn't they? Yeah. So it was evening session, and then later on it was. The Peel session and you had yeah. McConey and uh, I mean Lard, Mark, Mark and Lard yeah. doing their bit as well. Yeah. So the evening was quite a good. We we, we got plays on those shows, but not in the daytime. That, I guess. that Wiley and Lamac um, evening session then that was that was big news, wasn't it? That, oh, that gosh, could make yeah. or break records, couldn't it? it was oh yeah, like, I mean there weren't as many commercial stations to listen yeah. to really. Was were, were, were yeah. there? Like I say, before the advent of all these digital stations, and that was pre. The early XFM as well, wasn't it? I think. I think XFM probably come out '98, maybe. I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of. It was really just the evening session was the kind of go-to for to be a new indie band. Yeah, really, alternative it? music. It was though, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Uh, um, okay. Well, should we move on to? 
Yeah, and then yeah. we'll come we'll come back because I'd love to talk about uh, your second record as well. My second record. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll yeah. tell you what. Before we get onto that, then, because I want to ask about the single in between the first and the second album, Marblehead Johnson. Right. Marblehead yeah. Johnson. Yeah. So the thing is, I was talking about this the other day. We was, when we was we had another band on, didn't we? We was, we was chatting about them kind of. At that point, loads of bands, because we were talking about the Arctic Monkeys and said that Leap Before the Lights Come On was one of them singles that was in between the first and second album. And I said, so many bands, Suede, Stay Together, Blur Pop Scene, Oasis, whatever, they all had that kind of... Standalone single. That wasn't on the albums. Mm. Was that a conscious decision? Yeah, what was the, the thinking behind yeah. that? Well, we were influenced by the idea that you give as much as you can uh, to your audience rather than hold stuff back. Yeah. And it was also, you know, it was a throwback to what the Smiths did and what the Beatles always did. You know, they did, they, they had plenty of singles that weren't on any yeah. of their albums. And it's just a sense of keeping the ball rolling. And because we'd had some commercial success, we were given the freedom and backing of our record label to do it because they knew it would turn a profit. Mm. And it was just basically that thing of giving you audience more than just those 12 songs on the record yeah. and a couple of well, remixes on the b-side that was actually weirdly the f- way i got into you was from that record and then went back to listen to your first one and then obviously return which i, I thought was wicked um that intro to uh, return yeah, it's great isn't it yeah. it's fucking amazing man like I, I always used to say to people that my favorite records are ones where i listen to them they can they conjure stories and that whole record I'd sit there, I remember being, we, I went to my first like lads holiday, it was Tenerife, and we, we overdid it, we went for three weeks, which is, <laughs> I kind of, I'd die if I did that now. But I remember just being sat by the pool, and I would listen to that on repeat, and it would just, I'd just, it would just conjure stories in my head when I used to listen to, to your record, e- even more so, like penning ideas for graphic novels, which is a weird thing to talk about mm-hmm. with you, because yeah. I just, Tone Blues used to just set that scene in my head, and lead me straight into that, and... How long did that, you know, how was your process of coming up with... Well, I can talk about that quite openly because I had almost nothing to do with that because it was it was evolved from a jam between the other, other three members of the band. Yeah. I just helped a little bit in terms of composition ideas, but yeah. it's all f- from those three. So it was I was kind of sat back with my arms folding, folded, enjoying it as well, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, but we had, the, we had the idea that we wanted to have like a, a, a credit sequence, a title sequence at yeah, the beginning right. of the album. You yeah. know what I mean? And we've done that a couple of times on the, on our records, where it's like the first song feels like it's uh, it's a, it's a, an opening statement, an opening it's title just... sequence in 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 your in your imagination. Yeah. And uh, that's mad. And for that album, there was quite a strong concept in the way we wanted it to sound and the kind of things we wanted to talk about on the record, because we'd had this kind of collective uh, mania where we all just got really into Mexicana. <laughs> <laughs> for a, for yeah. about a year, we yeah. were watching me- a lot of Mexican cinema, just drinking nothing but Mexican booze. Uh, eating me- you know, got really yeah, immersed. Because yeah, yeah. we, we were spending a lot of time on the road and a lot of time in the studio. So you do, these, you do go a little bit, do lally. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we wanted to put that on the record. I mean, I th- there were sort of films around at the time. It was, there was uh, like From Dust Till Dawn and Robert, Robert, Roberto Rodriguez yeah. was starting to make a name for himself and Mexican cinema was starting yeah. to get a lot of attention and there was all these interesting movies coming out yeah. and Guillermo del Toro just started making films and this stuff was like it was from another universe. Mm. And I think it had a real strong collective sway on us because if you're spending all your time together, one or two people get into something, everyone gets into it. Yeah. So it gets dragged yeah, in because sure. you're playing the records all the time and you're sticking the films on all the time and 
you're drinking the tequila all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, and, and it was kind of almost like a wish fulfillment in a way because we did that and as a result, we went out to Mexico to go and shoot a video and it was like, well, we made that come true. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, we went nice. out to the pyramids and all that to do some photo shoot, the photo shoot with the enemy and make a video and all that stuff. It was like, it's all on someone else's ticket. Well, it's on ours ultimately, but... <laughs> Have you been back My since? No, unfortunately not, no. We, was, we, we went up there to Mexico City to um, shoot the video, um, just on the street. And then we had a day off, so we went to the pyramids. And then we had, had like six days free, so we hired a people carrier and drove down to Acapulco. Did you jump in a cenote? What's that? A cenote is, um, it's like a sinkhole. And there's hundreds of them in Mexico. And uh, I'll show you a picture of it. Uh, it's, they're, they're crazy. Like, I, I, I'm a bit of a nut for wild swimming. And I went to Mexico to swim in the cenotes. And literally, you just go into a forest. And then a lot of me made more tourist friendly where they build staircases. And you go down maybe 200 foot. And then there's just a pool, maybe, to, I don't know, maybe 100 meters by square of just crystal clear blue water and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and they're dotted throughout Mexico and so I went out there to swim in the cenotes and well, uh, I get you it's uh, oh Mexico's the greatest place I've ever been like wow. absolutely melts my mind Mexico I love it uh, uh, it's, a, it's a really it's, it's alive isn't it that place yeah it's alive everywhere you go the little towns outside of, we were in Mexico City and it's just sprawls isn't it it becomes yeah. these little villages and these other little towns it's just and everything's just so noisy and smelly and well and aromatic and yeah what a place did you go to any uh, the mayan villages yeah well no no we didn't go to the mayan villages no oh, mate that, that that was a bit special uh yeah got the kids all blessed by the witch doctor and stuff like that it was it was pretty mental stuff you did like, the full package yeah yeah, yeah we kind of got just... your kids cursed <laughs> went out there <laughs> I just thought we were in Mexico, you know. It was, when in Mexico. Want to go and do some, some crazy shit. Do you still drink tequila? Did you nope. ever back then? Yeah, that's why I don't drink it anymore. Oh, mate. I, I think I kind of reached my limit. The smell of it now just makes me want to wretch. Like, as you say, like on that second record, and I was in Tenerife and uh, first boys holiday and I bought a bottle of Cuervo Silver and it's only been like last year I've been able to sort of look back at tequila because the smell and whatnot. I know that experience yeah, I know. totally turned me off. <laughs> I think I've got some shot glasses out there that I bought when we were out there. Yeah, look, these ones, these blue ones. I bought these four seasons no hotel in Mexico City. So proud. Because we were drinking a lot of tequila. They've done well to survive 20 yeah, well, years, man. I look after my yeah. staff. I look after my staff. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you like, you like graphic, <laughs> graphic novels, man, so yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, in, we're in Mark's front room and there's a beautiful vinyl deck and uh, we walked in and... The sofa's in plastic, wrap. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> listening to Forever Changes, so it was uh, a nice welcome. Uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a neat turntable yeah. you've got over there. What yeah. is it? What model is that? It's what an Akai... Uh, DK something, I can't remember because I recently bought a new stylus for it, so I did look it up recently. But it's not that expensive, it's about 400 quid. But it's very good. Yeah, yeah. it's worth yeah. it. Yeah, thousands. But it's got built-in Bluetooth as well, so you can. Oh really? You haven't got. A, it's got built-in amp. But obviously, I've got that oh, one right. up there. That yeah. I've just plumbed in a few days yeah, ago. Yeah. It sounds mint. So, 
Is, is, is this like a kind of a regular Sunday thing or is this a daily thing putting no, vinyl on? And... I'm not often home this time on a mm. Sunday because of travelling back from a yeah. gig or something. Mm. So that's a nice luxury to be here on a day like this on early in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hung over and we've turned out of all our gear throwing questions at you. Yeah, well, <laughs> tell us about your second record. Have I, have yeah. I really got <laughs> well, I've been living here. Uh, I've been living here less than two months. So oh, right. I'm still getting used to it myself. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier before we we'll, we'll wrap up part one in a minute because we're nearly at 45 minutes. So you were saying about um, when you listened to um, that album, it, mm. you created all sorts of pictures in your head. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and I kind of... When you write or when you listen to music, do you... Can you picture it as a film or, or how do you... Sometimes, yes. You know, sometimes you have a visual yeah. image with the song as well. Yeah. Because I, I, I think... not always, no. You, sort, you, you picture the song in your head. You picture... You hear the song in your head. You hear the finished song in your head. And then you pick up the guitar and it sounds nothing like it. But you think, well, that's the first step to getting this thing out. Yeah. Like... You know, sonic hallucinations, I suppose. Yeah. And that's how you know when the record's done, really, when it's like, no, there's nothing more to go, isn't it? Yeah. I can't hear anything. Nothing's good. Out. Oh, that's good. No, I, I was telling you the other day, when I was, like, years ago, when I used to do bands and stuff, I, I just hadn't been with my wife for too long when our, our baby was really little. And um, and I woke up in the middle of the night and, and a, a bass line was <laughs> in my head. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's it. I've got, this is a game changer. And, <laughs> and I, I thought, I've just cracked it. And... Uh, and I kind of nudged my wife in the middle of the night, who'd probably been up twice breastfeeding and such. And, and I was like, I, I, I've got this bass line. And she was like, what? Obviously, she was completely uninterested, but it was like so vivid in my head. And I was like, listen. And she went, that's my Sharona, you prick. And I was like, oh, I was just totally crushed. Just sort of turned you over thought, back to sleep. You, you, you know, you get these music, so just come to me in the middle of the night. And I was like, I've got it, I've had that moment. But yeah, no, I was just my Sharona. <laughs> <laughs> I've cracked it. <laughs> All right, well, look, um, we've got three to go, yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah. we've got three books to go. So we touched on Daniel Close, but basically, yeah, rounding up. Yeah, let's come back to him. Velvet Glove, Casting Iron, is a dark, nightmarish uh, tone poem of a story. But I would recommend something like Wilson or Ghost World as a good introduction. But he's palette is as well it's very broad and he's one of those rarer uh artists and writers so he, he illustrates all his own books as well really unique mm, there's not um, many of them about so no. it really is someone's vision there's no kind of compromise isn't the right word but it's really is just from someone's head onto Straight the page from yeah. Tone, yeah. yeah it's not a collaboration yeah. in, that, in that sort of sense the chap i said wrote berserk the, the one in japan he does that as well and his, 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 his illustrations are just out of this world. They're so detailed and huge. Probably why he's still writing the same story 20 years down the line. Yeah. Everyone's worried he's going to die before he finishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. Just one quick question. Did you ever, because uh, so I looked into that one and, and also some of the basis of it being quite dreamlike and coming from, I think some was from some dreams that his, his wife had even had. Yeah, that's right. And... Um, have you ever read, I, I thought a good uh, line, I mean, this is spoiling it because it's obviously not going to be in yours, but uh, do you ever read um, Sandman, any of that sort of stuff? No, I didn't, no. Yeah, it's worth a blast. It's really yeah? good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, written by a dude called uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, oh, I know Neil Gaiman. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've uh, actually met Neil Gaiman. Is yeah. he the one that's married to um, Amanda Palmer? Oh, fucking It is, isn't mate. it? Yeah, I, I think it is. I've you. met him. Yeah, There you go. Really? Whoops, just dropped that one in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's really good. I recommend that one, man. It's really good. He also did uh, American Gods, which is on TV. But, oh, right, oh, right. Is that, is yeah, that his as well? I didn't on, know that. Yeah, it's based oh, right. on one of okay. his. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all over Amazon Prime at the moment, isn't it? All over the shop. That's been a big recommendation. Loads of people have been shouting about that. Yeah, yeah. It's got the geezer from Hollyoaks in it. I know, my mate said that. I was like, what? Which yeah, one? the main character. Tell me, I ain't Shadow Will Moon. Mellow. Can't be Will Mellow. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking mental. <laughs> well, shall we wrap that one up for part one yeah, and then come yeah. back at Okey part dokey. two? Let's do that. Mark, thanks so much. Thank you. That's all right, you're welcome. Yeah, and we'll be back in a, well, for you guys, a, a about day. About two minutes, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Thank you. So there you have it, folks, part one. Um, as I'm sure you are now familiar Mark settles into this really quickly and uh, the conversation flows. So uh, part two will be out probably tomorrow. Um, and Stu's doing all right, isn't he? Let us know how Stu's coping with the uh, the nerd talk, as he'd probably call it. And we'd love to know what your top fives are in terms of graphic novels as well. Um, I, can find, I could see this being a long conversation for us um on twitter and whatnot um and hopefully i'll get some good recommendations out of it too i don't think i went too heavily into my top five as well so if people want to know that um give me a shout and i'll let you know um that's it also uh the riker t-shirts will be released today uh, as you're uh, watching this i think that they were on pre-order up until the 17th but they'll be coming out and being dispatched over the course of the next week and they're pretty much all gone so thank you everyone for buying those um i don't suppose it was that much of a charity effort seeing as you was getting a wicked t-shirt and um a free print from riker um and his stuff is usually really expensive, so to get that all in for 50 quid is, is pretty sweet. But there are a couple left, so you can check them out at our Redshift website, www.redshiftrebels.com. Um, well, cool. That's enough for me. We'll be back tomorrow with part two with Mark. Um, peace! It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.